Thanks, team. Thanks, Zach. What a legend Zach is. Do you agree? Yes. He's a... <laughs> He's having a like, what did you think of Zach? He's all right. Yeah. Come on. I think we should start that up again. <laughs> hey, I had a question for you this evening. If you could ask Jesus any question at all, any question at all, what, I wonder what that question would be. Well, maybe there'd be a few questions. I don't know. I, for me, growing up, it was things like, you know, uh, what sort of fish swallowed Jonah? You know, how high was the Tower of Babel? Um, you know, are there, is there life on other planets? Uh, you know, things like this. How many hairs really are on my head? Um, as I've grown older, it's become maybe a bit more serious. Like, uh, you know, was the world, was creation really created in six literal days as we know them or in some other, some other way? Or uh, what was it that you leant down and, and wrote in the dirt? Jesus, when you saved that woman who was caught in adultery. What, what was that? I wonder what it is for you. Um, well, sing it out. Do you have questions for Jesus? What, what would you ask him? Let me hear. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Does pineapple belong on pizza? <laughs> yeah, okay. We're not going to start that. No, nah, come on. What, another one? Another one. Is the earth flat? <laughs> hmm? Do dogs go to heaven? All right. Well, I suppose we'll find out, won't we? Well, um, the good news is I, I believe that uh, if we are followers of Jesus, if we've accepted him into our lives, given over our lives to him, that we will actually get the chance to ask him these questions in person. Uh, we'll have all eternity to get all the answers to any questions that we could ever hope to ask. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I'm looking forward to finding out the answers to some of those. Uh, I can guarantee you, though, there's a few questions that you probably won't be asking Jesus. Uh, you probably won't be asking Jesus, what's 30 divided by 6? You probably won't be asking Jesus who the current Prime Minister of Australia is. Probably won't be asking Jesus, is Tom Cogger a cool guy or not? Because because <laughs> we already know the answers to these questions, don't we? Yeah, We already know that 30 divided by 6 is 5, and it's Anthony Albanese at the moment, and of course Tom Cogger is one of the coolest people around. Why would you ask Jesus a question that you already know the answer to? Well, I'm wrapping up the series tonight of the hidden people of the Bible, and um, this hidden person tonight did just that. He asked Jesus a question that he already knew the answer to. And we'll find out why. We're going to read through this story found in Luke chapter 10. So uh, we're going to read through line by line, verse by verse. So I encourage you, if you've got your phone uh, or if you're participating online, maybe open up another window with the Bible website or a Bible app or something. If you've got a Bible, Pick it out, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It will be on the screen for those of you who don't have access to that. And we're going to start this story. It starts like this. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay. 
So Jesus is a Jewish rabbi, okay? And that meant that he had a whole lot of disciples that uh, followed him around all day, every day. And they learned of him. They asked questions of him. They, they learned um, what it was like to live the life that God had designed to live. Uh, they learned how to interpret the scriptures. Um, but it wasn't just the disciples. There were also quite often random people that would just come up and, and ask rabbis questions and how to live better and, and what they thought of certain topics and issues. And, and um, so in this case, uh, it's a lawyer. The Bible tells us this is an a, a expert in the law. A lawyer, probably a very religious Jewish man, and he comes to Jesus and he asks him a question. He asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, eternal life for the lawyer and for Jesus and for the, the Jewish people at the time meant something slightly different to what eternal life seems to, we often refer to as eternal life. You see, when we refer to eternal life, we're often talking about the afterlife, aren't we? Uh, we're talking about where we're going to spend eternity, um, quite often. And, and the Jewish way of thinking and the Jewish way of using this idea of eternal life was included that, but was more than that. It was deeper than that. You see, it was actually about what is life from now. Eternal life starts now and then continues through until the afterlife. Okay, so um, when, when, you, when we read about eternal life in the New Testament, particularly in the Gospels, when Jesus and, and other people mention eternal life, uh, we could also translate as what um, uh, as an abundant life, as a full life, a rich life, both now while we're on this earth and into the afterlife. Okay, so this lawyer was asking, what must I do to live the best life possible, to live the life that God has, has put out in front of me, the most fullest, amazing life. What, what must I do to do that? And as I said, Jesus is a rabbi, and so he answers this question the same way that any rabbi would answer it, and that's with another question, because <laughs> that's what rabbis did, right? And so uh, the lawyer asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers like this. He said... What is written in the law? What do you read there? And the lawyer answered, Well, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and, and your neighbor as yourself. And, he said, and Jesus said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. The lawyer asks Jesus a question that he already knows the answer to. You see, the lawyer knew the law. He was an expert in the law. The Torah, the first five books of our Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And when Jesus says, well, you know, what does it say in the scriptures? He said, well, that's okay. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 says that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's in the law. And Leviticus 19 verse 18 says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, yeah, good answer. You're right. Well done. And it sounds like the end of a very boring story, right? <laughs> Lawyer asks rabbi a question. Rabbi answers question with another question. Lawyer answers the question of the question with the right answer. And it's the end of the story, right? Why would you ask Jesus a question that you already know the answer to? 
Well, there's two reasons, I reckon. There's probably more. You might be able to think of more, but I think there are two reasons, at least, that we ask other people questions that we already know answers to. And we do this all the time. You do it, I do it, we all do it all the time. First, uh, first reason we do this is what, when we're asking a question, we don't need to know the answer to that question. We're actually asking a different question at the same time. Okay, so let me give you an example of this. Uh, you have a maths teacher, right? Just picture you're in maths class, you have a maths teacher, and your maths teacher asks you, what is the answer to this particular maths problem, right? They're not asking you that question because they need to know the answer to that maths problem. They're the teacher. They should know that. And if they don't know it, they've got a book in front of them which probably tells them that, right? They have the answer. They're, or they're asking you a question they know the answer to. They're not really asking you that question. They're really asking you a different question, like, have you studied? <laughs> or have you learnt the answer to this? Or have I taught you well enough? Or any number of other underlying questions beneath the real question, yeah? Does that make sense? Or, or another example, um, parents are very good at asking questions that we already know the answer to. And I know this because I am a parent and I have parents. And uh, so when a parent asks you, have you cleaned your room? Let's be honest, they probably know whether you've cleaned your room or not. Right? They, don't, they don't need to know the answer to that question. They're asking you a different question. And depending on the context, that could be, Will you clean your room? <laughs> As in, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, do it. <laughs> or, or it could be the question, you know, are you going to tell the truth about cleaning your room? <laughs> or it could be any number of other questions, but it's not the actual question they asked, yeah? That's one, way, that's one reason why we would ask a question that we already know the answer to. The second reason we would ask a question we already know the answer to is that we're actually setting somebody up for the real question that we want to ask them. All right. So an example here. A young guy is interested in a young girl. I know it does happen. Yep. And and the young guy asks the girl a question. Do you like to drink coffee? Now let's be honest. <laughs> he knows the answer to that question because he's done his research. Yeah. He's asked around, he's checked out social media, he's done all the due diligence, he knows whether this nice girl likes to drink coffee. He doesn't need to know the answer to that question. What he's doing is setting her up for the real question he wants to know. And we all know what that one is, right? Do you want to drink coffee with me? <laughs> and by saying yes to the first question, it makes it very awkward for her to say no to the second one. <laughs> yeah. And so he asks her the first question to set her up for saying yes to the second question. Okay. So that's the second reason why we would ask a question that we already know the answer to. Okay. The lawyer asks Jesus a question that he already knows the answer to. Why? Because he's setting Jesus up for the real question, the next question. That's the real one that he wants to ask. Okay. And that is, but wanting to vindicate himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? 
That's the real question this guy wanted to ask Jesus in the first place. And for whatever reason, he clearly wanted Jesus to answer in a particular way. All right? uh, whether that was to make himself look really good. See, look, see everyone, Jesus agrees with me. See, yeah, he thinks the same way as I do. He's very popular, so therefore I should be popular. Whatever, whatever. We don't really know the reason, but for whatever reason, he wanted Jesus to answer in a particular way. Does he, though? <laughs> of course not. Jesus doesn't fall for this. In fact, Jesus is really clever, and I'll explain why in just a second. But he starts, Jesus starts a story. In, in response to this question, who is my neighbor? Jesus starts the story, and it's very famous, and many of us know it. He replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and just took off leaving him half dead. Now, Jericho and Jerusalem are two towns, still exist today, about 30 kilometers from each other. Um, it's a, there's a, the road actually still exists today. Uh, we'll look at that in just a minute. But um, the elevation between the two cities makes it a very dangerous road. See, Jerusalem's high up on a mountain, and Jericho is about 200 meters or so below sea level. And so there's about a kilometer distance in just pure elevation between the two cities. So if you're going up from Jericho to Jerusalem, it's a big, long hike, right? It's a big effort. You're going uphill all the way. And if you're going from Jerusalem back to Jericho, it's steep. It's downhill um, all the way. And it's really easy to imagine uh, it would be a great road for robbers or thieves or just bad people to hide in ambush. And and trap people along the way. And so, in other words, this is a road that you don't really want to be traveling down alone. Story continues. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So, likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. Now, stop just here for a moment, because you see, at this part of the story, I can imagine... The listeners of Jesus' story kind of turning to each other a bit and kind of smiling a bit and doing the nose laugh. You know the nose laugh? It's like, yeah, you're doing it right now, yeah. <laughs> it's like when something's funny but not really laugh out loud funny, it's just like a, that's kind of funny, right? And the reason why they're nose laughing at this point is because they know the road that Jesus is talking about. Uh, we're going to show you, actually, some footage of this road up on the screens, uh, some very modern footage. I think it was only taken last year. Um, we've got that video there. There we go. See that little path? Well, these guys are t pointing it out here. This path is the road that Jesus is talking about. It's the exact one. Okay? You can, as I said, you can still walk it today. It's a very difficult walk. Look at that. And as you can see... In many parts of this road, it's no wider than, you know, a couple of metres max. You know, this is, a, this is a dangerous road with, like, a cliff face on one side and a steep drop-off on the other. Check that out. So when Jesus said these guys walked on the other side of the road, <laughs> they're kind of turning around going, what is he talking about? You can't walk on the other side of that road. Right? It's only a metre wide. What are you talking about, Jesus? 
See, Jesus is kind of making a kind of a funny point here. He's saying the, the Levite, who's, uh, oh, sorry, the priest, who's kind of the, the guy in charge of the temple, is walking down perhaps after a festival or something like that in Jerusalem, and come across this guy who's been beaten up and is in bad shape and gets as far away from this guy as he can, walks around him on the other side of the road. But what all the listeners know is that he's within reach of this guy. There's no way that he could miss him. He could see him. He could smell him. He could hear him crying. And yet this priest just doesn't care, just walks right past. And then the Levite comes, and the Levite is kind of like the worship leader, okay? And the worship leader is coming down this road, and same thing. He, he could easily, like he like probably right there and just ignores them, walks through, walks past. And, and again, the people I can imagine listening to this story are kind of, you know how when you hear a story, you're kind of predicting what's also, like what's going to happen? I'm picturing them kind of see the pattern, right? Jesus says that a, a priest walks by, doesn't do anything. A Levite walks by, doesn't do anything. And I'm picturing them thinking, well, therefore, the next person must be like a normal Jewish kind of standard, everyday, normal Jewish kind of guy. And he'll stop, and he'll help, and he'll be the hero. And it'll be a whole story to prove that normal, everyday Jewish men are far better Jews than the priests and the worship leaders. Ha <laughs> ha, good one, Jesus. You know, stick it to the man. You know, yeah, we, we know that. Yeah, good, good on you. But Jesus completely blindsides all of them. Nobody is expecting what's about to come out of Jesus' mouth. Because Jesus says, But a Samaritan, while traveling, came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. What? (laughs) And this is nuts. So for the people listening to this story, this is just... They don't know how to deal with this, honestly. As we've heard earlier in the series from um, particularly Ollie and Anna, I remember, but um, uh, others too, there's a whole history between the Samaritans and the Jewish people, right? A thousand years plus of war, of turmoil, of hatred, of thinking that each other's scum of the earth, like liars, terrible, terrible people, hating each other. You asked a Jewish person... In, in Jesus' day, who's the worst person on earth? They would probably say it's a Samaritan person, right? This is... And Jesus puts the word Samaritan and compassion in the same sentence. They, this is like a bomb has just gone off. This is mind-blowing for them. They have no idea what to do. It continues. We know the end of this story. It says, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, treating them with oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will pay you whatever more you spend. There's so much we could unpack just in that part of the story. But in summary, it's the story about this guy who was meant to be scum of the earth kind of person who had compassion on somebody who was hurting. 
even though the people who were meant to care for him didn't. And he went over and above with generosity and care to make sure this person was okay. And then Jesus switches into rabbi mode and answers the question with another question. Okay, so remember the question, the real question, who is my neighbor? Jesus tells a story and then he asks the returning question. And he asks, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of Rob? See what Jesus just did there? Jesus, it's time for Jesus to ask a question that he knew the answer to. He asked a question that everybody knows the answer to, let's be honest. Who was the neighbor in this story? The Samaritan man. We know, we read it. Jesus knew. He wasn't asking that question because he didn't know the answer was. All the people listening to the story knew the answer to that question. The lawyer knew the answer to that question. Why do you ask a question that you already know the answer to? One of the reasons, because you're trying to set them up for the real question, right? The lawyer could not answer any other way, right? Otherwise, he'd look stupid. Everyone else knows the answer, so he has to answer with that answer. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't want to, but he has to. And let's see what he says. Jesus asked him, who was the neighbor? And the lawyer answered, the one who showed him mercy. Now, what's really interesting and really subtle about that is that he doesn't say it was the Samaritan man. <laughs> we all know it was the Samaritan man. Jesus knew it was the Samaritan man. People knew it was the Samaritan man. He is so disgusted with the idea that a Samaritan man could do something good that he couldn't even bring himself to say his name. He couldn't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan in his answer. All he could say was it was the one who showed him mercy. And then, here's the setup. Jesus then says, well, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. And that is the end of the story. Mic drop. Boom. End of it, right? And you can just imagine, I don't know, the, the response to this. Go and do likewise. People are going, what has he just said? Is he saying we need to become like Samaritans? What? That can't be the case, surely. They do some pretty dodgy stuff. Jesus didn't say, be like the Samaritan. He didn't say become like the Samaritan or do all the same stuff as Samaritans do. He didn't say, go and live like a Samaritan and do all the sinful stuff that they do. I think probably the Jewish lawyer had enough sin in his own life before taking on the sin of somebody else. Jesus knew what he was saying. He said, go and do likewise. Go and love likewise. Go and show love to people in just the way that your enemy did in this story. 
show love to people despite any history of differences you might have with them. Even when they're your worst enemy. Even when they think you're a horrible person. Even when they hate your guts. Even when they've hurt your feelings. Even if they've never been nice to you. Despite any of that. Love your neighbour. And not just your neighbour, not just the people that you like to spend time with, not just the people that you live with, people in your own neighbourhood, but your enemy is your neighbour as well. You see, this, this story we often think is all about the Samaritan, right? It's called the Good Samaritan. Um, but in some ways, it's actually the story about the lawyer. <laughs> it's the story about the who is my neighbor guy. It's the story about how a racist lawyer who wanted Jesus to agree with his way of thinking, um, but it kind of turned around and beat him on the backside because Jesus used the same tricks that he was trying to use on Jesus. He used this guy's enemies to teach him about what love looks like in the kingdom of God. It's the story of the hidden person, the who is my neighbor guy. Jesus isn't just using this story to teach us that we should be kind to not just kind to others, right? but specifically being kind to our enemies. Now, we, you know, it's pretty uncool to have enemies these days, right? Uh, it's uncool to hate people, and most of us would say we don't have anyone that we hate, really. And we probably don't, not in, not in the way that Jews hated Samaritans, right? Okay, But I've got no doubt we all have people in our lives that we don't get on with, people in our lives that we don't really like, people in our lives who don't like us, for whatever reason, maybe people in our lives that we've had some sort of history with that is uncomfortable, awkward. Who is it for you? Because Jesus doesn't just say, love the person that you like. He's actually saying, love the person you don't like. Love the person in your life who doesn't like you. Love your enemy. Who is it for you, I wonder? Deep down, I think we know the answer. The question is, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And I think that's probably a question that we also probably know the answer to already as well. <laughs> That's the question we ask ourselves. Who is my neighbor? Who is it that God is calling me to not just uh, put up with, but actively show love to? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for all these stories that we've heard about through this whole series and how that. You use even the smallest, most 
hidden kind of people to teach us something. Teach us about your love. Teach us about your kingdom. Teach us about how to be more like you. Teach us about how to love others. Lord, thank you that it's a reminder that no matter how hidden we may feel, you can use us as well. And we don't have to be famous in order to be used by you. It's not about how many people know us. It's about how many people know you. So Lord, thank you for that reminder. Thank you for the reminder this evening. Would you reveal to each and every one of us this evening who it is in our lives that we need to go out of our way to show, demonstrate your love to. And may we become more like the Samaritan in the love that he showed to that person on the road. And may we become more like you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.